The Tefl Commute, Season 3, Episode 3, Behind Closed Doors, in which Sean and I explore what goes on in classrooms. You're listening to the Tefl Commute Podcast. Hey, John, how's it going? Hey, Lindsay. Let me just shut my door so I'm behind a closed door. Yes, I'm, I'm well behind closed doors. Yeah, behind <laughs> closed doors and closed windows. It's a bit chilly here. I say, are you listening to Cyril? It's a bit, it's a bit off track, but you're listening to Cyril thinking of kind of closed doors, where she's recording in her wardrobe at the moment. I was thinking about that. <laughs> For those listeners who don't know what the hell we just said, Cyril uh, is another podcast, uh, very famous podcast, where actually the 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 woman reporter is now. Um, she's reporting on a case from her hotel room and she goes in the closet because it makes a good sound quality. I'm wondering about that. I'm looking at the closet in my office and thinking maybe I should get in there and try to record. <laughs> yeah, that's just like, it's, 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 James would be happy if we did that, I think. But, anyway. yeah. but that's really taking it behind closed doors uh, seriously. So I guess, to, I guess today's episode is going to be about teaching, but not about, we always say this is a podcast about teaching, but where teaching might come up, but actually teaching will come up today, I would have thought. Yes, I think think we are we've chosen today's topic um is entirely about uh teaching um but the 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 whole sort of thing of teaching as the the class is the teacher's kingdom and what goes on in my class is my business and not anyone else's business so in that way sort of i think you you said once teaching is a kind of isolated profession in that way uh yeah isolated and also uh from a uh, if we talk about it being a customer service profession uh, as it's a very secretive profession as well <laughs> you know there are, if you talk about you know I, i'm from a private language school background so the the customers are all the, the students are all paying yet they, they pay for something that goes on in in a you know in this very secretive place behind these doors where you know exactly exactly it is quite um i mean once you go in and close the door and begin your class it's it's not like other jobs where people may see what's going on and stuff so i suppose i mean doctors they get they get uh they're interacting more with each other there might be a whole bunch of them in an operation room right yeah, that's true. doctors yeah. and nurses what about other professions are there is there any other profession that's like teaching in that same respect well, I, I always take it, it's not just the idea of the closed door. <clears throat> it's taking it a step further. You know, the students have come into the room, the, door, the door's closed and they sat down. And for the next, you know, however long the lesson is, they probably don't have an idea of what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> Whereas the teacher, the person at the front of the room, is, is, is sat there, uh, you know, with a lesson plan and, and kind of knows where they're going to go. And, and yes. I, I find it fascinating because obviously uh, teacher training is what I do the most of now. And I, I find looking at this and talking about this really the fascinating part of it. And how much you know we don't actually share with anybody whether it be the students or or fellow teachers that's or true that's true uh, th- and so often like it is just a teacher beholden to the students behind the closed doors so there are of course observations that brings me to my first question sean as a teacher trainer you observe uh teachers quite a bit um my first question is how do how do the teachers and I do this as well? I can answer afterwards. But how do your teachers feel about being observed? I think it depends on what type of observation they're doing. Uh, um, this is something that I 
we talk about a lot on on, ma- on management courses where I, where I tutor. It's it's you know um, whether it be on a course or whether it be part of kind of the school's in service yeah. development. There's two different things, aren't there? And, oh, and then course, oh, well, there are lots of subcategories to that as well. I don't think you can yeah, just be like a pre service. Uh, teaching course getting observed as a as a brand new teacher or an in service teaching course where you're getting observed as part of a course or a sort of diploma or a delta level course. And then this whole idea, and I think in, in many schools, though, whether I mean, often uh, observations are, are um, kind of posited as development things, but quite quite clearly, in most observations, some form of judgment takes place. And I think once you have a judgment uh, and even the idea of judgment, obviously, the person being observed is going to feel some angst. Do you remember the first time you were observed? Um, yeah, actually, f- fully enough, I wasn't observed. I actually moved in my prof- in my professional career. I moved to be observed because I started teaching, you know, way back when, uh, in an environment where I wasn't really properly qualified, and I worked in a school where no, where observation was just something talked about rather yeah. than done. So I deliberately moved to uh, to to put myself in an environment where I would be observed, and I and I remember it because it was kind of like the first observation I ever had, but it was also uh, an entry. Uh, observation for um, a D Tefla course, or what is now the Delta, but the D Tefla, Tefla course back then. And uh, I remember the the guy walking out of the room saying, "Yes, there are some full boils I have of your teaching." And at the time, I didn't know what the word meant, and I'm like, "Oh, what is that good or is it bad?" Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I remember it from there. But I was kind of, I've always, I'm bizarrely, I've always welcomed observations. So. I, I remember the first time I was observed was not uh, a voluntary thing. It was for an obser- it was an observation as part of an evaluation at right. the university I was working, um, and so there was judgment, but there was not really any talk about it. It was just sort of uh, you know once in the year the director will come and observe your class. And then maybe talk to you about it, or maybe not, depending if she had time. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of in a lot of those environments that it's kind of it's almost it's done because it has to be done. I did the uh, the, the the person doing the observing ticks the box and uh, says I've done the observation rather than actually seeing observation as a meaningful um, uh, aspect. And then if there's no discussion, then it kind of builds up the the, the observees. Uh, I'll say observe, I doubt it's a word, the observe these angst because they don't know what's happened or, you know, what the outcome of that was. So it is. Yeah. I think also, I mean, lots of teachers complain that when they get observed, um, lessons will often go terribly wrong. You know, maybe it's because they're nervous or, 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 or different things. I had one teacher write me a, write a, a letter when I was working a lot for One Stop English, um, there, there was letters that came in and one person asked about this, about how to avoid their, their, their class going very badly when they were getting observed. I came up with some, uh, some ideas here. Um, if you do get observed and feel that it's too judgmental and want to make it developmental, here are some suggestions that I have for this. Uh, you tell me if you've done this kind. Of, I think some of the things you've touched on, Sean. So first, um, if I was in, a, if there was an observation scheme at my school, one of the things is to try to take some of the control back. So going and asking the uh, the director, whoever's observing, say, "Hey, I know you're coming to observe me. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to work on is 
whatever, my teacher talk or my board work. So kind of having a personal aim to the... Yeah, you have yeah. a personal aim because that also then shows that you're interested in your own development. They're not just coming in. So you kind of... And it kind of brings some of the power back to you, you know? So you say, I know you're going to do what you're going to do, but can you please pay attention to that because I'm really trying to improve that. But the, the, I, I think that's a, a really... I mean, the, the, that's something that I would say to, to most teachers. The, the only... <clears throat> I don't mean to be negative, but that only really works if the person doing the observing is qualified enough to be able to make that judgment. And I think that's important that's because, true. because you know, obviously, as a teacher trainer, if you send me in the classroom, I can comment. I feel that like I can comment quite objectively on on your teaching, the same with you. But mm -hmm. as a school director, might actually be many years out of the classroom. Uh, that's and, true. And if they're tick boxing, and I think that's something. So, uh, so I actually. Um, Add a caveat to yeah, that. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, I, I think the advice is excellent, but... Um, well, I think then there's another one that you can't do, even with that is the case is that um, in one school where I worked, uh, observations were completely random. We had no choice. And that was really problematic because sometimes the director might come in and it was a day where we were doing a writing class. And I was like, well, you're not going to see a lot of teaching because they're going to be doing a lot of writing or a lot of group work or project work. So... Um, if the observations are random, another school I worked at, which was really good, we knew we'd be observed twice during the year and on short notice. But the observer, in this case it was the senior teacher, um, would ask us that day, do you mind being observed? And you were allowed to say no, and it would get right. to another day. So they couldn't, you couldn't kind of prepare it a week in advance, because that was that ended up being problematic. They did, the observer didn't want to see show lessons. Well, I was going to say, it was interesting you say the show lesson, because because um, obviously you, you were talking about things going wrong in the lesson. And I was going to say a lot, and I think um, that can happen, yeah. But I think in a lot of lessons that I see or have seen, um, are, they are the show lessons. So, in fact, they're yeah. actually pointless because they are, um, you, you know, the, the lessons the teacher knows is going to go quite well. The, the students have been primed for the lesson. Uh, That's true. And, and with it. And I think, I mean, to me, actually, as an observer, I, I prefer it when a lesson goes wrong. You see real teaching when the lesson goes wrong. That's true. And when I used to be um, head of recruitment for a school in, in Prague, it, it, it fell on the teacher trainer to, on us, the teacher trainers, to do the demo observations. And, you know, and I, I loved it when the demo lessons went wrong and I knew more about hiring a teacher uh, from them dealing with that situation where it's gone wrong than, than, than if it was on script, per se. Um, so... The other thing is, is, is there's another, raises another question, is... Is it possible to kind of come in and observe a lesson and get an idea of what real teaching is? Or do we get what um, I was researching? I found the name for it, the Hawthorne effect. Have you heard of the Hawthorne effect, Sean? Uh, only because of uh, the research. But go on, tell, tell everyone what it is. Okay, well, the Hawthorne effect is, the, is, 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 is not named after a person. I thought it was like named after like Mr. Hawthorne. Is it like, is it like the Stockholm Syndrome? <laughs> yes, it's Hawthorne was a place called the Hawthorne Works. It was a Western electric factory outside of Chicago. And these experiments were done in 1924 to 1932. Oh, you know what? It's the lights, isn't it? I, somebody was yes. talking about this. So the they, they, they wanted to see if the workers would become more productive in higher or lower levels of light. So the productivity improved when these changes were made and slumped when the study ended. So why am I talking about this about like observation things? Is that, say, it, the Hawthorne effect sort of says that the effect of actually observing something will make the change. 
Um, so the, they suggested that the productivity was not because they had raised or lowered the light. It was because the workers knew they were being observed. Yeah, it was also, so, wasn't it to do with, is it to do with the feedback? Like the, they, they felt that the managers were actually taking an interest in them because they were asking yeah. about the light. And it exactly. Was, uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, and I think there's another thing, like it's the, the effect hypothesis or something like that, that like uh, an ob uh, 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 something under observation will change because it's under observation. So you, you're not going to, you can't almost see uh, if, if they know that if the, the subjects will not behave normally if they know that they're being watched. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you were giving advice, weren't you? Did, did we finish with that? Yes, I think I did. I, I was thinking back to um, I was thinking back to students that are problematic, um, or you know, like you're being observed and they're problematic. We had, um, you know, when, when you run a kind of the four week training courses like CELTA, and you get in guinea, we we used to do it with guinea pig students, the so students that volunteered and came in and came in uh, for free lessons, pretty much, yeah, uh, to create the class. And um, one of the one of the we 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 ran many courses back to back, and so these students used to turn up week in week out. You know, they were similar group of students, and we knew we probably needed to change the students when uh, when the students at the end of a lesson would put their hand up and go so to, to the trainee teacher. So what was the aim of that? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like yeah, that's true. We had the same thing in one in Barcelona when I was doing teacher training in Barcelona. The guinea pig students, I love the name for that, eventually started figuring it out. Um, after seeing so many kind of demo lessons and so many things, and they would say, uh, "Excuse me, do you think it's time that you should be concept checking this with us now?" And it was very funny. Yeah, I think um, it's in, uh, we, we are obviously both of us are from from um, environments where observation is seen as as the norm. Uh, there are many places, I guess, where the behind the closed doors is just the way that the the the, the, the teaching works. You know, the, there isn't any observation. The, the, no, not so, at all. So I mean, but I don't think that means that teachers can't observe. I think these days with technology you can do you can actually do a lot of self-observation ah. on the topic of technology i had a very interesting short conversation with philip kerr who has appeared on this as a guest on, on our podcast before we spoke about another interesting development in technology and uh teacher observation philip uh thanks for joining us you and i were talking a little bit before about something you discovered called a visual classroom Visi visi visible classroom. Visible classroom. Okay, and I was thinking this fits really nicely into some of the other things we were talking about on the podcast. Why don't you tell the listeners what, what visible classroom is? Yeah, well, I, have, I will. I have to say first that I've not personally experimented with this. I mean, I've just been looking at the promotional videos and reading the, the bump behind it. But okay. it's... it's um, it's a, it's a service which is being offered by uh, a university in Australia combined with an um, artificial intelligence media company. And it's based on the work of John Hattie. And I guess a lot of people will know about John Hattie because of his, um, his book, The Visible Learning, Visible which is learning, this yeah. Yeah, yeah. sort of a, a synthesis of meta-analyses of all of the things that make teaching and learning effective or ineffective. And, and what, this, what this service, visibleclassroom.com, is offering is that uh, teachers record their lessons. It's audio recording. And they send these recordings off to the, the service. The service then uh, transcribes everything that takes place in the classroom, teachers talking and the students talking, and analyzes it using, some, I think, some fairly sophisticated artificial intelligence. And they get... Uh, yeah, they get they get feedback, um, and the feedback is 
is an attempt to tell them how effective their teaching is on the basis of this recording. So it's a very objective, uh, quantitative analysis of what takes place in the classroom. And what kind yeah. of classes do they, what kind of classes are they offering this to? Any classes? Is for nursery, yeah. for primary, secondary, language classes? No, it's 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 very clearly for everybody. But I, I don't know how appropriate it would be for language teachers, because the sorts of things that they're interested in uh, are the extent to which teachers are promoting critical thinking in their classrooms, the extent to which they scaffold uh, the learning processes the extent to which it's a positive classroom environment. But I think that the exchanges that take place in a language classroom are very different from what takes place in geography or science or history. Um, but, but I think it would still be very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, the, the feedback is things like um, how fast was the teacher speaking? Um, what, what proportion of teacher talking time is there to student talking time? Um, and using the artificial intelligence, uh, it's looking at things like, the questions that the teacher asks are these uh, deep questions or are these surface questions? And you, you get um, you get feedback telling you um, how you've performed as a teacher managing the class and suggesting the extent to which you are promoting effective teaching. Do you think that this tool we've been speaking on the podcast about the difference in observations and getting you know letting people behind? the closed doors of the classroom, teachers letting people behind the closed doors of their classroom, um, difference between judgmental and devel developmental observation. A tool like Visible Classroom and a, a service and technology like Visible Classroom, do you think it would be used more in the service of developmental type observation or judgmental? I think its its real value would be in developmental observation because there's, there's simply no way that you could really draw any very firm conclusions from this kind of data. But I think it would be very interesting for teachers to explore this, if they can afford it, of course. And I think it would be really interesting for trainers, too, because I'm not convinced as a trainer and a, as an observer on teacher training courses that my, uh, if my appreciation of a lesson is the same as another trainer's. I mean, sometimes we have the same opinion. So it would be really quite nice to have this sort of data behind, you know, this teacher talked for this proportion of time. Um, so you can really back it up with some hard data. I don't know, it'd be interesting, but it costs quite a lot of money. It's, what is it? It's £350 uh, for five lessons. Wow. Go. And do you think that these are teachers themselves buying it, or are they institutions that will be buying it to try to set up a, a program? For I think that's the problem, and that there's, there are going to be very few teachers who are going to be spending that amount of money. I mean, a 70, 70 pounds a lesson, that's a huge amount of money. So it's going to be institutional buy-ins. And if the institution is buying it, of course, they're going to be using it for evaluation more than development, whatever they claim. That's very true. Well, we'll have to wait and see if uh, anything like this catches on in language teaching or if we see, indeed, any other initiatives of sort of recording teachers uh, for developmental purpose uh, come along down the pipeline in the future. I'm sure we will. I'm sure there'll be more of this kind of thing. Um, I, I think they'll have to develop a rather different pricing model, but I, I'm sure there'll be things of this kind. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Question for you, while we're on the topic of technology. Would you accept, if we, if we, if we agree that the Hawthorne effect is real, so that the, the, the students and the teacher know they're being observed, so they won't behave completely normally, but now technology would allow you to observe without knowing that you're being observed, would you accept 
a webcam installed in your classroom that you wouldn't know if it was on or off so that you could be watched at any time by the director? Would you think that that's a fair thing? Good for your development or like just too spooky? Um, I, I don't think the question, I, I think the question would be what, why would they be turned on and off? Is, is the person doing it to check up on me? I, I, I actually... Um, well, presumably they would sell it to you as this will give us a, a real... I have had trainee teachers come to me uh, who have come from environments, I think it was somewhere in Japan actually the first time I heard of it, where the classroom did have cameras, but it was purely to check that the teacher was in the classroom doing a job rather than anything, you know, oh. that was a big brother thing. So, um, if that, it, that would, that would creep me out. I think if it was a, if it was a form of, if there was development in it, um, and there was something in it, then, then I wouldn't have a problem with that. But as I said, I don't, have I a suppose problem. you're right. If they said, we're going to do this over a period of one month where sometimes we'll record and sometimes we won't, and we get your consent and the student's consent, and we'll use those with you to help you develop your teaching, then fine. But if I was starting at a school and they're like, we have webcams in every single classroom that film you from multiple angles, you never know if they're on or off, and we just want to make sure that you're following a program. <laughs> yeah. Then, and I'd be like, yeah, bye. Yeah, no, that, that, not that. So I think, no. And also, I'm, I'm, I mean, you asked me about, I need to find a for observation, and I'll say I'm fine. I've, I've spent the last 15 years or so being observed in, as a teacher, so I'm completely comfortable with it i find i learn as learn from an observation and i learn observing people whether it be for a course or whether it be as a peer observation something like that so let me put let me put the shoe on the other foot then so as a teacher we would have ambivalent feelings about it depending how it's done but what about the new thing that started happening in spain and in the states big time is would you want a webcam that you as a parent could check in on your little one at daycare or at primary school at any time. Well, the check—that's a different thing, isn't it? They're checking in on the kid rather than uh, on the teacher. So that's not an observation. But they know no, it isn't an observation. But you are getting behind the closed doors. Well, it's so, true. But then, I mean, uh, again, I come from—I come from a background where we used to open the doors to the parents every so often, anyway. You know, so the parents could. The the the, the thing about that is often. Um, uh, often the parents' idea of, uh, for want of a better word, communicative language teaching, is 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 not the same as the one that is put forward by the school. So you know, uh, teachers, uh, the teacher wants to get the students talking. They they the parent wants the the kid to learn the word list. So we used to throw open the door so that the teachers could, so that the parents could see what teaching was. And I think that taking There's a webcam level that happens. really does creep me out about oh, really? these. I'm, I'm looking at. I've got a couple of websites open here um, of companies that specialize in online streaming from daycares. I so, think. I mean, it is creepy. I don't don't get me wrong. It is creepy. Is actually. it creepy just to us now? Like within twenty years, will like our children or thirty years, will our children with their children just think it's completely normal that their daycare completely well, I think, I think has, a, I think has rigged with HD high definition streaming video, which is what I'm looking at right now. Was well, a I mean, watch we are, me. We are moving. I think more and more towards that. Anyway, whether, I'm not saying I'm. I'm just saying that's a statement, not whether it's good or bad. I think I'm thinking about developments in teacher training. Per se, you know, when we, uh, I mean, we now do, you know, the, something like a tablet has allowed video observation to take place a lot easier than it used to do, yeah? They're yeah. Al almost, uh, and um, 
the you know as part of one of the courses that i run our, our students our teachers observe themselves on a on an ipad and so they take 10 minute snippets of the lesson which you can never do before going back to what i said um, earlier in the podcast about technology allowing you to self-observe you know you can re- if you've got a problem with teacher talk you can record yourself on on your phone yeah. and, and play it back so i think i think generally that and i, I wouldn't well and with the with a rise in online teacher training courses I, I i can't see it being too long before videos involve you know the remote observation is done in that way so, so perhaps are we looking at the end of the behind closed door syndrome? Is that going to be a very twentieth century perhaps, and prior perhaps. thing of teaching? I love uh, actually. I mean- I was just thinking. I, I was just thinking. Actually, you know, the, uh, I, I've said it in another podcast in January. I went to the British Educational Technology Show, the the, the big education uh, thing. There are lots of companies now that are they're actually working in the field of video observation. So uh, you know, yeah. um, building up portfolios of of your students via grabbing video. Uh, an app. One of the best apps I saw actually uh, was one as a teacher trainer. You know, when you're trying to make the notes when you're observing a lesson. Yeah. Th- th- there's an app that's been developed which which will allow you to have tags so as you're watching you can tag and it will tag the point of the video where you can say like good teacher talk or good in, good instructions you know right. so you know so i actually think yes i think that the, the video observation is going to be the norm whether it is remote there's video observation yeah and then there's this remote sort of yeah well streaming. i think i think that's the i think once the video observation is the norm then remote streaming is just the next part of that isn't it yeah so then, presumably, can you see a future? Do you think that there would be a future where uh, a parent, a concerned parent, can just, through any time of the daycare, primary, elementary, secondary school, can just, like, click on their mobile phone and just see what their, what their teacher is doing and what the kid's doing? Will that imp- is that transparency going to be good for accountability? Or is I'm it not just sure. going to create, like, think, a big brother I think state? it's, I, well, there's, there's, there's lots of things in there. I think it's, there's a, I think there's, I think it's a big brother. Uh, um, but whether it happen or not is a different thing. I think yes, it will happen. Whether it should happen, um, yeah. Um, it's, well, we'll have to wait and see. I think, of course, if any of you listening here have your own views on being observed uh, by uh, by your director or by other teachers or as part of training, as part of development, as part of accountability, or whether or not you are constantly being viewed on a webcam by parents or or other stakeholders. Feel free to let us know on our Facebook page or on our on our on our website www.templecommute.com. I've got one more idea of behind closed doors before we uh, before sure. we shut up. Um, of course. So um, I have one more as well. And I'm just thinking that the uh, there is another behind closed doors uh, in a sense, and that's behind the staff room door and what goes on in the staff room. And the reason I, and I, the reason I bring that up is because be, whereas there's, it's not necessarily as isolated as being a singular person in the, in the classroom, I think it's very interesting what goes on behind that closed door of the staff room in terms of what we, how we talk about students, how students get labelled, how, yeah. how things get done. And I think that's something that's an interesting area to think about. That you, you know, that If you walk into a classroom and start uh, into the staff room and vent or something and how that might come across. And I wonder if not more teachers might not be more concerned about that closed door being sacrosanct rather than the classroom. classroom one. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the classroom is one area but the staff room is then is is another area where there might be more resistance even after a while to having that uh, door thrown open because that's an area where a lot of you know venting goes on and lots of things get said that are uh, quote unquote off the record I suppose yeah um, 
an interesting, an interesting possibility. Hey, speaking of observations, I'll tell you one of the most impressive observations I ever saw was at a conference in 2011 in Barcelona called the Unplugged Conference. It was a conference that I helped organize with the IATFL teacher development sake. Anyone who was at that conference, there weren't many of you, will remember it as being a very special occasion where we observed a class a dogma class taught by none other than Scott Thornbury and Luke Meddings. The two uh, maybe maybe you want to tell people what dogma is before you go on? Uh, yes, dogma is a, uh, a teaching method which advocates um, uh, focusing more on emergent language, relying less on materials, and uh, dri dr uh, having the lesson driven by conversation. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll put some links to it on the show notes. And it was created by uh, Scott Thornbury and Luke Meddings, who went and gave a demo lesson to 14 students, but in a big room, like a kind of theater gymnasium room, where we, they were observed, that class was observed by 55 teachers. Right. So Actually, this, very this, interesting. This is, quite, this is another thing that seems to be coming along now, that these ideas of teachers teaching, rather than at, at conferences or as part of events, not just doing a session, but actually doing That's some true. teaching. I did one of those at the ELT Jam uh, conference uh, where, where teaching was part of it as well, again oh, in okay. Barcelona, yeah. I think that would be a great idea for conferences to see more teaching. At um, IATFL Poland conference, they used to have a slot where you could go along for a language lesson, like a, like a Polish lesson, uh -huh. a, an Arabic idea. lesson, just to remember what it was like to be a student. In the classroom, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you kind of, that was teachers throwing open their classroom doors to then teach other teacher stuff. Unfortunately, there was not a lot of discussion afterwards. But I think putting teaching... Uh, into conferences where you can actually observe a lesson or observe an author teaching according to whatever their method or their book is would be something very welcome. You just, you just actually that just triggered something else in my mind. You told you said Scott and Luke taught the lesson, so it actually gives me the idea of team teaching. Uh, yes, have you ever team taught? Yes, I did actually, I, and I found it. I, I team taught with a guy called Sean, which was great. So the, the Sean students, and John. So the student, the students um, didn't have any name problems. I did it. Uh, I've only done it um, once, but I did it at. Um, I did it at a you know at a summer school program where the students come to the UK for uh, to study for okay. several weeks, and we both had similar level students, and we just thought it would be more productive if we if we talked together um, and did an elemental lesson. And I found it really really rewarding. It was great to just be able to bounce stuff off people uh, and whatever. And I actually like doing as t as a teacher developer and, and conference sessions. I love joint sessions for that reason. I just think yeah. there's a better dynamic when there's more than one person uh, involved uh, in it. And you and and you know it's great seeing them work so you're you're kind of observing as you teach <laughs> exactly exactly so, i've done the same thing i team teach with a colleague of mine called julia here in the south of spain we do uh we always do the first couple of lessons together of a course and then we we split and kind of share a course but um and joint conference presentations are also great i think uh we should hear some facebook philosophy no matter how many years we have been teaching, we should feel a little bit like a rookie every year by trying something new and not being afraid to fail. Heidi Power.
with that, maybe we should come to an end of our behind closed doors session because we've kind of exited the doors now. We're completely in other. Yeah, we've moved out. Uh, I think that's because neither of us like our doors closed too long, really. So, no. but great. Hey, that was a good one. I enjoyed talking about observation. I think I, I think we should put the sort of caveat in there. That, I mean, we've talked to this at a very superficial level, and there's obviously a lot more. Uh, yes, to talk about with observation and how observation might be done, and uh, obviously our experiences are different to many other people. So, well, maybe um, we'll. We, this is an area that we could maybe revisit. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back to it an, another time. Anyway, everyone, thanks a lot for listening. Hope your commute has been a good one. Yeah, bye, and be careful of that door. <laughs> As your commute is coming to an end, let's look at how to do the self-observation we mentioned in the podcast. If there is no one to observe you, then self-observation provides a way of helping you reflect on your teaching practice. One way to self-observe is to record yourself, something made easy if you have a mobile phone. You can use this to record either audio or video. To record audio, simply switch on a recorder at a section of the lesson you want to listen to. Video is a little trickier, as you'll need to be able to put your phone in a position to get a good view of what you wish to record. We find standing it on a desk pointing towards the board is one way to record yourself. Both ways of recording will help make you aware of things you do in the classroom you don't usually see. For example, when Sean first recorded himself, he realised how much he talked unnecessarily. Once you have your clip, Play it back and focus on one aspect. If you're focusing on teacher talk, then consider aspects such as how much you talk, is what you say useful for the students, do you give clear instructions? If you videoed yourself, then you consider things such as your position in the class, how you might come to the students and which you spend most time talking to. We'll put other advice for self-observation on our website, tefelcommute.com. You've been listening to The TEFL Commute, an original podcast produced and presented by Lindsay Clanfield, Sean Wilden and James Taylor. Don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and by visiting us at tefelcommute.com.